Mm, this is exciting. It has been a solid month since I've, you know, we've met. Too long. Well, I agree with that. But I know we were both doing cool stuff the whole time. Yes, although I, I've seen some pictures of your cool stuff and really excited with what you're doing and looking forward to when the finished polished product comes out of it. Hmm. I apologize Most of what you've been you seeing have haunting. been... Uh, the dog just picked up a loud squeaker toy, so we'll see if it picks up or not. I firmly believe that dog barking is a, an addition, not a problem. <laughs> Yep, so, I'm guessing you hear that one. Yeah, he's a happy boy. I did like that yes, costume. So the, the photos and the videos I've been doing, that is actually a distraction. I'm supposed to be focusing on finishing up the whiskey tasting online thing, which doesn't require a whole lot of sophistication in the media. But it's been, as I've leaned into it more, I've felt like, oh, this is a lot more intense, a little more challenging. And I've wanted to have at least one day a week that I take a break and reconnect with the parts of the stuff that are just pure art, pure enjoyment. You're going to need those skills anyway, but it's really important to keep that emotional connection, not make it into a robotic thing. Absolutely. Although I have to assume the picture of Irish whiskey on the map was, I hope that's being used for some sort of <laughs> promotional content for the main project. Yeah, that I feel adds the first ad you see coming down on the social media feed. That's when you see it. And I think that one will really catch your eye immediately. I just want that. I want really badass soundtrack coming through as it slowly fades and glides over the map. Mm. And then you just start voiceover. Here's your pitch. There's some cool things I want to add to it. And... That's where the exciting part of this is I'll, there's so many great ideas, but it kind of feels to connect in some way. And I, I think I would have stressed out a little bit more. Stress is kind of be the main topic for this entire podcast, but I would have stressed out more about how much the great ideas there is and not enough ability or time to do it. But, you know, you had some good advice. And then the whole business course is really central of, just do something that's minimal and get it out. And the fact that it's flawed, the fact that you got it out soon will mean that you'll get actual advice and like feedback soon. And then you can get faster on what you need to do. And then you can start bouncing from, oh, well, this idea I really, really is in love with. Now's the time to jump to that one. So just because you're not doing it now doesn't really mean that it's not getting it done soon. So that's pretty, should be fine. Absolutely. And it helps show you what's important. What do people notice? If there's one part where you're like, I need to fix this, I need to fix this, and no one brings it up, it's not important enough and worth your time enough to fix it, even though it's going to drive you mental. Mm, mm. And there's also, even if it turns out that something is completely uninteresting to other people, that's still useful. Because you can look at it and go, I know when I do this thing, it's purely for me. And then you can lean into that and get even more experimental and completely enjoy it instead of, you know, maybe if you were doing it halfway, halfway. That's a good point. I like that. So, obviously, I took it upon myself to make this the Halloween episode. I wanted to talk just for a little bit about 
the last episode, you really blew my mind with connecting how all of these things I was talking about, why I had the camera and all the things I was looking for, connect with the Baroque art style, which was my first career. Back when I'm just, you know, my family won't take care of me. If I don't make money, I'm literally going to starve to death on the street. And I chose to do this first. That and walking a, through this stuff. Hmm? Sorry. That was a very, very fun conversation for me, just because it was, <laughs> as soon as I laid it out there, you instantly saw where I was going, and it was the first time where I got the rush that I imagine a good chess player feels when they're four steps ahead and their opponent realizes it. Yeah, it's totally, it's like a murder mystery where at the end, like, oh my god, this was all a trap the whole time and I never saw it. Uh, I, I'm going to get addicted to that feeling. I also like it because it shows the differences between us, like the different strengths of talent we have. I would not have the self-control to keep quiet till the, it was time to spring the trap. Patience is a virtue I'm still working on myself. Mm. So at, uh, this past week, Halloween is a very big deal to me. It's a bigger deal to me than Christmas or Thanksgiving or New Year's or Valentine's Day. It's my f biggest holiday. And I actually take a week off from work every year for Halloween. Typically, I do so many events that I'm basically useless for work anyway. And it's just been worked out for everyone to use my vacation time now, lean into it, do a whole lot of events. Uh, this year... I wanted to take that time off so I could focus on this creation business. I am trying really hard, maybe not as hard as I should be, but I'm trying hard to get that whiskey tasting thing ready for Black Friday, that I can make a deadline, have this be useful for people this year. And so I was like, I'm going to use this time to work extra on that without having the distractions of my day job. But I also did a whole lot of events too. I got some good costumes and I did a lot of great stuff. And I was going out to an event, and it hit me, just like what you were talking about before, the very reasons why Halloween is so much a big deal to me are the exact same reasons why I studied Baroque music, why I bought this night camera. It's all connected. It's like the, I love the, the darkness because you have such intensity up between the light and the dark. Maybe daytime photos and videos are more beautiful, but they're in this kind of band between, you know, medium light and super light. But when you have this darkness stuff you do in Halloween and the hotel bars and everything, you're going from light to pure black. That's a much bigger dramatic thing in there. There's more emotion in that. Oh, absolutely. I'd say there's no greater, more powerful emotion than fear. And you... <laughs> It's injected into the bones of Halloween. It's everywhere. You can't escape it. It's such an emotional and visceral response throughout the whole holiday that absolutely it's Baroque to its core. Yeah, I didn't think about fear. You have a great point in that. That's so primal. Life or death is the critical one. No other emotion you have matters if you don't take care of survival. Absolutely. 
for me. You can argue huh? maybe Valentine's Day has another important emotion, but <laughs> it's not really as baked in as fear is. Mm -hmm. It is funny that this is still very true. Even though Halloween, for me, I don't really, I don't really think much about the fear part of it. The jump scare horror movies, I haven't really connected with that much. For me, there is this feeling of mysteriousness and longing that seems to be part of Halloween. Uh, there's this song, and when we get audio-video connections a lot better, I'll share that in the middle of the podcast sometime. But there's this, like, morose waltz that I love so much. You can just do the waltz basic. It's just three easy steps. You don't have to learn any turns or fancy stuff. And you can do that with a, a woman and express almost every intense emotion just by doing that and just altering small things to like expand it and contract it. But it has this whole feeling of there was this massive loss or this thing that you're longing for that maybe you, you know, that isn't here today. And that's such an intense feeling in my mind. Absolutely, that's... I'd be very interested to hearing what that sounds like. Yeah. I remember, I think when you were back here, I was trying to figure out time to just teach you and Ashlyn the waltz, because yes. you can make any dance hard, but just doing that, it's easy. You can learn in 10 minutes, but then you can just play with it and play with it for the rest of your life and get a whole lot out of that one simple thing we're gonna need those lessons at some point well let me attempt to share a screen and see if we can show you any photos entire screen so this could be horrifically a mess but we'll see click click all right, it's going infinity. Ooh. <laughs> How's that? Can you still see it? Yep, still can see it. Okay, so a couple of things I did was I took my camera and I did a lot more of going to those dark hotel bars I'd been scouting out. And some of them I really loved. Uh, this I did a two-part on where it's the... Uh, the bridge bar and let's see if I could sort this by type so just to catch you up when you use like a serious camera you come out in these high data images that don't look that great but you can do whatever you want with them and then okay. you go into kind of a, a virtual dark room and you develop them and when you're done with it you output it to a JPEG or something similar. So let's take a couple peeks at what I got. So this place from the outside, I love it. This is nighttime and you can see into the bar from the street. I think I remember you uh, texting with me about this one, how you could see more from the camera than you could actually on the street. Mm. How in love with the details you were. Here's one of the drinks. I noticed that the automatic 
JPEG that it creates for you, which is supposed to be, you know, just a preview and you're supposed to be able to do better yourself. The, the whiskey really stood out a whole lot. The table's kind of this brown color and then the whiskey is a brown color. Making those seem different was a, a learning experience. Just seeing that, oh, okay. I, I, there's a couple of developing techniques to make that more intense. I'm starting to get pretty happy with that. I like this one. And then getting into the lobby, trying to connect everything together. Uh, let's see if I actually got those correctly. Nope, that's outside. Ah, I think right here. So in the lobby, you have these beautiful, you know, orange lights and this dim everything. And I really like that a whole beautiful. lot too. Now, what I did with I, to add that is, I don't know if you saw it, but I posted it online. Okay. Is I took uh, my drone and I went out and created a beginning of it. So before you're in that, you have this. I think I did see this. Yeah. And that was part of why I really wanted to do it, because it's cool that you could, you could feel from the outside you're flying into it, because so much of this bar is exposed with outdoors. Yeah, that is fantastic camera work as always. Thank you. Uh, I'm not sure Very if you just want to take, take a peek or if there's any like, advice you want to give me on any of this stuff, but I'll move on to the next place. So recently I had a meeting with someone in the media industry and I was like, Hey, where should we meet? Blah, blah, blah. And he said, I know most every part of Nashville. And it turns out nearby where you are, there's a brand new place that opened up that both it serves as a coffee shop and a bar. He invited me to meet over there for our discussion. And when I walk in immediately, I'm like, this place has such great ambiance and decorations. I'm never going to leave. I'm probably going to be here until midnight because <laughs> it starts off where at a coffee shop and then it turns into a bar. Well, wow, that is too easy to stay there for too long. Oh, it's totally my style. And here's a few photos from there. The chairs at the bar have these lion heads on them, which are just like immediately. I love this immediately. If you like this, you probably like Halloween, right? <laughs> yeah, that is giving me straight Game of Thrones, Narnia. <laughs> So try to get more balance of you have this interesting thing, but expose some stuff around it where it feels like there's a bit of a story going on, some kind of action happening. You can imagine more into it. Getting a close up of a cocktail using the new lens on the camera so that this isn't focused and everything's blurred out. I think when you do it the right amount of blurring, it not only just draws your attention to the drink more, but it makes you start imagining more about what's happening in the scene. Absolutely. It's whose drink is that now? Cause it's pretty far away from the characters in the background. Who's, who are we going to get introduced to here? 
and you look at the people, you can tell there's two people, they're talking together, but because it's so a little bit blurry, you kind of get that Halloween darkness mystery of, are they friends? Are they arguing? Are they happy? This could be people just saying goodbye forever. This is the general look. Look at those freaking chandeliers, dude. Yeah, that is gorgeous. Took a lower shot here. Sometime I want to send you pairs of photos and get your thoughts on which one you think is better. And I think that'd be like a good just training exercise for both of our eyes. I would be very excited to see how I do with that one. There's no wrong answers. It's just getting an idea of, you know, there, there's so many things like this where just doing it guaranteed to teach you, teach you a lot. And we just got to find good things that you'd have some reaction to, to, to sit down and look at. So that's the owner there, Mike. What do you think he's, that he's holding? I'm guessing that's bitters. Mm-hmm. Why put it in this thing? Part of the experience that will atomize it out. Uh, if you really want something fun, you can hold a flame up in front of it and it will turn into a fireball. Uh, oh, everyone's going to regret that you told me that. Oh, yes. <laughs> Bitters are still like 46% alcohol. It will catch on fire if it's a mist like that. Absolutely. Hell yeah. That's going to be fun. Um, I think I've got along with them well enough that they would allow me one terrifying crazy thing in their bar before they get mad. <laughs> Are you kidding? They'd love it. They'd make so much tips off of that. Mm -hmm. I'll get my camera out. Uh, Mike is a germaphobe. He doesn't want to touch the rinds and then put that in someone's drink and then have them touch things uh. that have been on his fingers. So he has all of this separated with extra tools to make everyone feel like they're like extra clean and safe. It also gives it this sort of like prestigious feel to it. It does almost have that like white glove service feel to it. When they cut the the rind and use like tweezers to pull it and put it in your drink, it feels like, oh, nice. Pain in the ass to do, by the way. <laughs> So I like this shot a lot. Uh, it, I'm trying to get a bit of action shots. Took many, many, and this one just looks like they're both completely not thinking about the audience, not thinking about the camera, just really in the middle of it and kind of, you know, concentrating on their next step. I, I like the feel of it. Absolutely. Love the red glow in the background. That's so dynamic. So this guy's Trini. He does many things, but talking with him, a freaking course. He also is a professional photographer. <laughs> of course. He saw me with my camera for three days and was very politely just... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And another example of something I wouldn't have the skill for. And then eventually started telling me, like, oh, well, if you're interested, you know, you could try this and give me some really great ideas. The drinks, I like the leaning that. into the whole Tennessee thing. That's kind of nice. This is their old-fashioned. And this was at the end of the night. I just liked that a whole lot. There's two guys, oh, and they have, you know, there are two shots of whiskey and an old-fashioned sitting there. The ice in that old-fashioned is beautiful. They put a lot of work into that. 
they have the the branding on the top of the cube and you know the whole thing the branding is not hard but getting a perfectly clear, clear cube like that is it's a little detail but it's not always easy there's a reason why it stands out it's also been fun just seeing how they put this together and you know and my own way, I'm a small business owner and he is too, and try to like, so what do you learn this? And where did you get that to do that? And, you know, not that I'm opening a bar, but you can learn so much from another person's process. Like the little library, uh, they call this the Viking table. And then I took another shot later in the evening. See the contrast on the feel at nighttime? Oh, I love it. So much more emotion in that one. Okay, going pretty long, so I'm going to stop sharing, and I wanted to ask you about this. So everything Halloween, the camera, the Baroque music I started off in, it's also connected. It feels that, at least me, there is a central core of who I am. And once you find that, you can pretty much explain and guess everything else that's going to come out about, about me. Maybe... Everyone has a central core like that. And I was wondering if you had an idea what yours might be. First of all, I'm not sure how much I agree with the idea. Yes, I think everyone does have a central core, but I don't think I could predict everything that would come from it just knowing that you at your core is more of a Baroque style. Mm. Purely because... I don't know how everything would connect to that because that's not necessarily my own style. Now, if you were talking with another Baroque person, maybe chances are they like Halloween for the same reasons. Maybe all this lines up. But I think it'd be hard without knowing all that going into it to plot out where they are going to go. True. It would imp imply that so if you knew all those uh, things about that core, you'd be able to predict so much about that from then on. I think once you have a core, you'll find a way to you'll naturally gravitate towards the things that obviously resonate with it. But even the smaller things that don't have a strong connection, I think you'd find one. Hmm. And in other things I see, you know, you've done this, someone else has done that, but the way you have done it is different because your core was different than theirs. And then for my own style is difficult to explain. I'd say that I like the romantic period of art the most. Hmm. But at the same time, I am very bad at displaying other people's emotions in my story. Mm. It's something I really struggle to put in. I tend to be more cut and dry here is what's going on. But when I take the time to slow down and get into it, that's where I always feel like my stories shine through the most. When you slow down and get into. So like in the first episode with Shackleton, just taking a moment, 
stopping everything and just having the blowing wind and saying this is what they were dealing with day in day out is it going to be the next day they're rescued is it going to be weeks months they're just sitting there not knowing and just really forcing you to be considering it from that point of view I felt like was one of the best parts of that whole episode absolutely was and you're telling me that that part which was one of the best parts was the most difficult part for you it's difficult for me to know where to put it in and what emotions to make it feel but once Mm. I have that laid out it becomes some of the most powerful parts of my writing Mm. that's interesting we're going to have to come back to this another day and dive really deep into that. Like the parts that resonate with you the most, how you realize that was the thing and when it was in the right place, how you knew it was the right place. It's when it's done right. It's so powerful when it's done wrong. It's has you caring about something that's of no significance. <laughs> yes. And it just leaves you wondering why you were invested in that. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a big topic. Let's save that for a time when we can have an entire episode on that. Um, I think, I think it's related to the whole idea of what I was talking with doing the paired photos. When you see that it's right, you know, just getting yourself in those positions to, to see it and feel it Before and then learn that. Before we move on to the next topic, if we're saving, diving more into my own style for a next time we record, mm. I want to challenge both of us. Let's go out, find people that we know fairly well or good friends with even, and ask them what's their preferred art style and Sounds see how it makes sense with their characters. What if someone says, I don't have one? Yeah, they're lying. Mm. Maybe I'm going to have to take a couple photos of each genre and just say, okay, and you don't have to know the words. Which of these four is your thing? Yeah, I like this idea. I'd be very interested to see if looking back at an old friendship, if they really enjoy Renaissance paintings, if okay, here's all the emotions and everything that come with that. This makes sense for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're kind of like challenging me to really live on my own theory. I like that. That's great. <laughs> oh, I'm going to try and do it too because I really like the idea. So the next thing, I'm just going to skip over it briefly because I want to have time for our main topic. But... uh I went to that cafe because this local media creator, uh, yes. you know, reached out to me, invited me to meet with him. And there's a lot of parts of that big enough to, for a bigger topic another day. But just want to say it was both validating and exciting and enjoyable to be proven right that sitting down with someone like that was going to be a fucking blast. There was a lot of great discussion, a lot of great business stuff that was super great, but getting about 20 minutes and 20 minutes into it, you're like, it's like, I'm having so much fun. And 
I'm not surprised. I knew I would. I haven't met this guy before in my life, but because of the stuff he does and the stuff I do, you know, like I keep saying over and over, probably the best part about this is the quality people it draws into your life. It's not this generic, just hang out and play board games kind of friends. It's like, no, we have this meaningful thing we both care about. This is a whole big deal. So it was a whole lot of fun. It was supposed to be an hour meeting. We like hung out for two hours and like, oh man, like we both got to get out of here. But yeah, this was great. We'll talk again sometime. That's fantastic. I'm glad that you got that meeting. Mm, yeah, me too. Uh, something will probably come of it later in December. But yeah, even if it didn't, very, very good experience. So I want to move on to the main topic if you're ready for that. Perfect. Okay, so the core of this is creation and uncertainty. And kind of leaning into it, this segment is going to be a little bit chaotic and uncertain, but I think that'll make it better in some ways. And I'm going to try that. So as I mentioned, for Halloween, I took a week off from work. And one of my primary reasons was I wanted to be able to focus on this side business for a week. I have this feeling that like I'm frustrated that the, the day job's in the way. What more could I do? This deadline keeps slipping and slipping and I'm getting more and more worried I'm not gonna make it in time for uh, Black Friday. So I wanna have this extra time to work hard and catch up. I also wanted to, have to know, what's it gonna feel like when this is my main job? Like how exciting is it gonna be? Other things are kind of hard in this job in a way that aren't hard in my day job. So, you know, doing it for a full 40, 50, 60 hours a week, you know, how challenging is that going to be? There's only one way to find out. So this was kind of my, my gift to myself to have a mini test run of what that life will feel like. Turns out after about three days, I was extremely stressed out. And I couldn't really tell why there was a lot of, I think it was more than like the least uh, aware of my emotions I've been in a while. And then Saturday I'm sitting around and I'm like, man, I actually feel sad. I haven't felt sad in maybe over a year. That's not fun. And then I'm sitting there. Why do I feel sad? I'm like, I don't know. Like, well, now that's fucking terrifying. <laughs> if you know what's wrong, then, you know, you can know how it's going to last or how to fix it. But like, you don't know, like, oh, I guess we're just stuck this way for this is how we are now forever. That was pretty, pretty worrying. I went through and unwound everything. And now I have answers for all of that. And I think this was important and so important that even though this is a little bit like stressful a topic, I think it's important we should talk about this, share this and share this with other people. Absolutely. So, it's, you'll have to tell me if this is in line with what you discovered, but anytime you start out a new process and it's something that you're doing just for you, I almost think that we're inclined to run ourselves so hard from excitement that when you don't have work or something to distract yourself from it, you burn yourself out or you get that imposter syndrome something mm. comes through and it's almost crushing at first those are really real things to to be wary of and get a right you know balance and solution for 
hang on. The dog's trying to steal laundry. And I'll be right back. Sorry about him. All right. So those are really important. And I feel like we've had a couple discussions about burnout and getting like a pretty good sense of what is the correct amount of work that this all balance out, which is why I was doing what I was saying before. I'm taking one day a week to just do photography and videography of things I like and want to. I'm sure it'll all end up in something, but might not be for five years from now, but just to do something to get excited about. This was something else. Okay. This is something that has happened three times before, which makes me even more mad at myself that I didn't understand the pattern and recognize it and know what it was. But what happens is this very strong feeling of overwhelmed. And I realize now in hindsight, there's actually a couple stages of this. First, at medium intensity, there's the actual emotion of here's what's stressing me out. It could be burnout. It could be a lot of other things but you actually feel the emotion. When it gets super intense, you feel overwhelmed. You're kind of just blind to what the actual emotion is. All you know is it's too much. And at that point, it's kind of harder to know what to do next because you don't feel even the nature of the emotion or know what to do with it. All you feel is too much. And this time I actually reached a third level where it was so intense that instead of overwhelmed, I would, my subconscious mind started making me ignore the thing and made it invisible to me that I didn't know that I was overwhelmed. I didn't even notice that I had started procrastinating and avoiding my work, my next task for three days. I didn't know it was even happening until I woke up, sat there on Saturday. Wow. I really feel shitty. Why do I feel shitty? And slowly realize, oh, crap. I'm like really feeling crappy. I haven't been doing my work. And wait, I have been doing my work. Oh, wait, no, I haven't. Oh, wait, how the crap have I not noticed? So the tail end we're going to get to this is, man, glad got this out of the way really fast because I learned so much from this and know what to do in the future. So on one hand, it feels crap. Like I almost lost about a week of work when I'm already behind. But the other hand... I learned this now and we how we keep on saying the best thing to do the fastest thing to do is just to dive in deep make those mistakes and you learn from those mistakes and the sooner you learn from them the sooner you have jet fuel the sooner you're moving fast and sooner you're doing right things this was a really huge mistake that i was going to make somebody someday no matter what and i got to get that out of the way right now that is really interesting and Looking back, that explains one or two roadblocks I've hit. You want to tell me about one of those before I move on? Honestly, the day I sat down trying to have a lofty goal of recording everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that didn't happen. I got through about half of them. You got about through half of it? Yep. A lot, though. Good on you. it's, It's a good amount, but not nearly what I wanted. And knew I was procrastinating to the point where, okay, 
if I'm not wanting to focus and do this right now, even though I have the time set aside for it, I'm going to instead, let's figure out how to record the trailer and do a video. Mm -hmm. Which I'm going to have to do at some point. If I don't want to do this other part of the project, let's just diverge and do a different part and still have something that's going. Mm. That's a great idea, actually, to keep moving. Just move into a direction that's more comfortable until you're ready to go to the, the other one. Procrastinate with something that's still productive. How did that work out? Uh, it took too long to figure out how to record a video, but other than that, it was good. Hmm. The trailer. I mean, are you talking about like that real recent thing you did? Yep, the uh, one that I sent you that is not yet online. <laughs> okay, I'm catching up now because I thought this would be about when you first started recording your podcast. So I got like three questions about that. Nope, like one. this is the most recent. This is recent. So even after have writing such great stuff and been doing this for a couple of months, you had that feeling again from doing the same task. I swear to God, it's whenever I have a lot of time set aside and I go, okay, I'm going to get all this done in this time. It's almost like it's so much to do that it seems overwhelming and daunting that your brain's like, okay, I don't want to overwhelm myself, so I'm going to get distracted by social media or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the second I notice that I, I've started trying to diverge and do something else that's productive, and even if I don't get done what I necessarily originally planned on, I still have something to show for that time. Yeah. There's that saying of of work procrastination. Um, I went from the thing I was stuck on was writing the script for my advertisement. And it went from getting the, the pieces of the first draft and slowing down, slowing down, and then like, oh, I cleaned my entire house. But I need to do that to have a studio to record for. It has to happen anyway. It doesn't need to happen now. That's not the most critical bottleneck. Yeah. And then more and more things like that where a lot of the extra photography... It's like, well, if I go out and take photos of bars and learn more about my camera, that's productive, but that keeps me from having to stare the scary thing in the face. And eventually you'll get through it and do it. But there's nothing wrong with taking a short break and doing something else. Mm. Speaking of short break, I might need to take one. The dog is uh, now whining to go outside. Okay, you want to pause for a bit? That'd be great. Okay, I'll figure out how to do that. All right. Do you want me to just leave the call and jump back in once I'm back? Yeah, that sounds good, man. I'll know how when you're ready. All right. Sounds good. I'll be right back. Okay. All right. So, can so continuing on with that, uh, I think there's going to be multiple angles to this. Oh, he's so fucking adorable. And there's one part that I want to explore today that I think gets into the core of it, but I believe this is something that you have to tackle in different angles. I think that it expresses itself in other things. And so talking about each one of those different things when we come up and we run into that our creative process, I think that's important. I think it'll help us. I think this is something that should be a recurring segment in our process, in our podcast. Looking at this has happened three times to me before, and it got bigger, bigger, bigger. And then when I get the the, the biggest one, it sh- this should be like I've seen it so many times, I already know how to handle it. Instead, it's 
the exact opposite's happening. So I think this is probably one of the most important things. And as I actually dive into, as I'll explain in a bit, how I figured out what happened and what I should do, realize that this ties together to every part of creation. It is the core of what creation is and why creation is important. So I have had um, a career based on certainty. You know, you could say, oh, it's science and experiments and all sorts of stuff. But the reality is all my results would be immediate or at least within, you know, a couple hours at most when I was a chemist. But with software, you get the answer back within seconds. And I'm so drawn to that because you just know. If you have a bad idea, like who cares? You know it's the wrong idea immediately. You don't have this wondering about, is this a mistake? Am I going to get bit in the ass later on? Am I going to do work for three months based on this decision I made only to find out that that decision made all that work worthless and completely the wrong direction? You're like, I think it's this. No, it isn't. Okay, I'll try the next thing. Wasn't that either. Try this one. Oh, that one worked. Now we know. You take your next step based on the certainty that the right step that you figured out is right. All of this creation stuff, there's none of that. It's full of uncertainty. Every single decision you make is full of uncertainty. And I don't think that statement even fully gives you the emotional impact of it. You will sit there. It will be more concrete. So writing this script is the thing that has made the most intense feeling of like anxiety about this uncertainty. And I'll be sitting there with five ideas and I can't use them all. There are different directions to go with it. And I look at them and it's not like which one is right and which one's wrong. They're all really freaking good. They're great, but I have to kill four of these. I have to say no to four of these and I have to pick one. So to go down a path, which could be wrong, which makes all the other work, all the other decisions I make for the next months a waste of even trying. And in order to do that, I sacrificed these four other things that were super awesome. That's a horrible level of fear to feel, at least for me. That's true, but at the same time, I wouldn't kill those ideas. I'd write them down somewhere because if this one didn't work out, Guess what? You have four new options that you can step into. You're counting on why this is getting so intense. I have to make this deadline. I really hate the idea of not being able to have at least something made, even if it's terrible. Just have something made. I'm comfortable now with having something bad and learning from the critiques. But having nothing, that is the worst thing for me. So if I got on right a route and I can't even finish the project because I went down that route and then I try to go back to the next one and like, well, too bad. You're out of time. Guess it's going to happen a year from now. Like, ooh, that feels horrible. Let's just go down this worst case scenario. You invest a lot of time in one path and let's say it's to try and convince the world that grain whiskey from Ireland is the best whiskey in the world, which even you don't believe. And you're trying to sell something that you don't believe and you're not passionate about it, 
and you get everything to the point where you're almost done and you realize no one's gonna believe this. Well, okay. Now I have all that experience to draw from. Let's go down the next path. Hmm. And you won't necessarily miss that deadline. You won't hit it with the project that's out and released to the world. But you might hit it with a, okay, here's something. It didn't work. How can I release this still? Let's make it a parody of itself. Let's just make it funny and turn it into a more satire version of it. I think for the vision of like what I'm doing, there needs to be a certain threshold of truth, quality, and value. But I think I see what you're saying. Here, you give me where an there is something else I could create it. Like, what? You give me an example then of one of those points that you hit, and let's go down it together. Well, let me finish on this while I'm going because it will get to a okay. point. But but kind of what you're getting at is it did hit me then at the end, which is I'm gonna like this where I understood, and then what solutions to do going forward. That, like I said at the beginning, learning this was the most valuable lesson. Learning all of this was more important than getting something done and released by Black Friday. And so, you know, like my brother said, congrats on being in the game is such a true statement, you know? Absolutely. So give me one second to collect my thoughts. Sorry, you broke okay, so, up there for a second. What was that? Oh, I said just give me a second to collect my thoughts. Oh, gotcha. So, I realized a, a chain of things. We'll start with the first one. The first one is this level of uncertainty that's core to every step on this, which is so stressful and so difficult. It's the very core of why this adds so much, why this is such a meaningful thing to be working on, and why the very certainty-based day job feels pointless and I want to leave it. Because I already know everything I need can learn from the certainty type of work, science, engineering, those sort of things. This uncertain type of work, there's certain things that are like that. There's the only way that can be done. And doing those things are what's teaching me new stuff, the things that are missing, the things I haven't already learned and known. And when you kind of get down to it, you know, not only is this just, it's a new path, and that's why that's so great that I'm getting these new things. This is actually the core of creation. Creation's all uncertainty. And doing something that, you know, you haven't done before. So embracing that is the best way to, you know, is the, not the best way, the only way to be doing any of this creative kind of things. Maybe some things have a lesser amount or a more amount, but that's the, the central part of it. So realizing that is kind of, okay, I'm not familiar with this and this feeling freaks me out, but I should get comfortable with the fact that this is a sign that you're on the right direction, that you're actually heading towards something creating. If you went out to the gym and you worked out and you didn't feel sore, you'd be like, well, something's wrong. So when you're trying to create or work in this you know, content industry, if you don't feel that kind of uncertainty and the stress about it, you know, something's wrong. <laughs> so when you feel it, you should have a little bit of gratitude of like, okay, 
I'm not supposed to like that feeling, but this is my sign that I'm going the right direction. And I'm like, this is yeah, a little smile about it. I like that. That's a good outlook. The, um, there's one part of this, which, and I, there's so many different angles that will connect, but maybe in awkward ways. But when I started on this, I took this course on how to create courses and I was really excited about it. And then I got about two days into it and realized, oh crap, I'm not building a course. This isn't fit. Like, have I made a huge mistake? Can this not, can this, is this impossible? Did I take the complete long route and I need a completely different class from different teachers to teach me how to do it? Cause what I'm doing, it's essentially entertainment. When you're teaching people about whiskey, they're not going out and suddenly making an engine or like making like another thousand dollars a week. They're enjoying themselves. That's the end product. And after a bit of stress for a few days, I realized that this part is at least familiar for my work uncertainty. Taking something that doesn't quite fit into a different situation is one of the most productive additive things you can do in the world. This thing where it sort of fits, but it doesn't quite, and it's awkward. That's how you're doing something completely new. You're making the, the peanut butter and chocolate of the world where, oh, that seems weird. Well, well, like crap. This is something awesome that no one's done before. And that's what the whole thing that's great. And I've been familiar and comfortable with that part of it. And now I'm starting to see that element in this uh, uncertainty thing that's been stressing me out. So this isn't as on topic as it could be. So let me know if you don't want to go down this rabbit hole. But this is really reminding me of, and I know I've talked about him a lot on the show, but Brian Brushwood and one of the things that he had taught me and has repeated a lot in his content I like his stories. You need to have some way of setting yourself apart. And mm -hmm. you, if there's two people doing something, don't do it. If either be the first person to do it or be doing something very different from them. Mm -hmm. Don't go into something saturated. And then the second thing that he says is always try and present it to someone as a gift. What are you giving them? So, if you're trying to do a class on whiskey that your gift is happiness, absolutely, that is a great selling point. Makes complete 100% sense. I agree with that entirely. In some ways, it's they say, oh, differentiating, your, differentiating yourself in the market is one of the most important things to do. There's like a couple days in the course I did that talk about how to do that. So it's an actively, th it's a thing we're actively seeking, but having it seen from the other realm of, uh, all everyone talks about is your primary thing is to make money. If you try to tell someone you'll enjoy this, people are trash at ever giving a crap about that. If you tell them, like we talked about before, like, oh, if I spend $100 and I'm going to get back $110, well, that's a no-brainer decision. I don't have any uncertainty in that decision. 
I know I'm like, whatever I need to use money for, I have more of it. It's just because creating more options for me. But if you get to the end of the chain of, well, I'm supposed to buy something to make myself happy. But if I buy this one thing, that reduces the number of possibilities, the number of options. And even if it was the per perfect right thing to do, people stressed out about it, they get very nervous, and they usually choose something else. So if I want to try and sell something to a large market in business school to make the most money, selling something that makes people happy is the number one thing they say, don't do it. <laughs> so you're having everyone from my own teachers to Alex Hermosi and all his books and every podcast he shows on saying, don't do it. That's the wrong mistake. I tried it. It was dumb. And like, we're still going to do it anyway. You just need to spin it in a way where it's not only do you get happiness out of this, it's how can you be impressive? How is this a skill for you? So if you're doing a class on Irish whiskey, it's, okay, here's how to look really good at drinking whiskey and impress all your friends at your next dinner party. Mm. I think I have a couple of good, strong things like that. And it's kind of what you're talking about before. Man, we've really had some great insights in our discussions. That if you say, here's a core level emotion, this is what you really need, great. You understand what the core need is. You can't tell them that. You have to tell them one level up. Something like, oh, this will make you look prestigious or something like that. And they'll either feel or imagine or imply the fundamental emotion. And it's more powerful when they figure it out for themselves. And a lot of people, they're not ready yet to even it, understand these things or admit it to themselves. So if they just have that feeling of like, oh, I don't know what that is, but like, yeah, that sounds good to me. That is going to have more impact than you say like, you know, you're a sadist and you really just want to hurt people. That's what makes you happy. So this will give you that feeling of people being jealous. Like, whoa, <laughs> they're not going to want to hear that, even if it's 100% true. Yep. You have to still make it a, at least a s sweet pill to swallow. It's the, it's the mystery. It's the surprise ending. It's dancing with your partner where you leave a window for them to fill in the rest and when they imagine the rest of the details they're their details their idea their hope their goal and it has a lot more power that itself we could spend all day on but that is that is really cool okay so i wanted to get to the next little part there's one last conclusion i realized before i got into what we do about this but this makes me really exciting. I realize in these courses, they talk so much about how important it is to nail home certainty for your offer, for your students, for the, your customers. You know, I'm like, what is this crap? Like the whole point of creation is getting comfortable with uncertainty. When I'm the one like, I got to suck it up and go through all this uncertainty. Like, how do I learn to manage this? Uncertainty is wrong. We're supposed to be giving certainty and I'm getting all this uncertainty stuff. Something's wrong. No, no, no. I realized that is the actual value you give people, the actual gift you give people, the actual thing that's worth people buying things from you. You are the one who ventures out into all of this uncertainty, does all your exploring, and you deliver to others certainty. You are now the expert for them. Yes, you make a movie or a podcast or something and they feel certain they're going to have a fun time and it's great. 
to do that, you had to go through all these iterations and dead ends of things that were uncertain and scary. And I don't know how this fits. And then finally you found a way that works, but you're the one who had to do all that sacrifice. And that's why it's valuable to them. So here's another way of looking at that because you know me, I am, I exist in the morally gray area of you can make it work if you really want to. There's no such thing as just a white lie. You can bend the truth and make it work. And I know that's not the space you operate in. So, giving my perspective on what you can do with that, look at Game of Thrones, that series, and how many millions of fans it had who were all dead set of, oh, this little detail means something is going to come around in the next season. And you know that they all believed that because they were so mad at the ending that didn't connect or tie in together all these loose ends. They were so oh, believing in this man who was certain that he knew what he was doing, at least <laughs> appeared to be, that <laughs> they were absolutely totally engaged and by the time that they found out the ending wasn't what they wanted they've already invested how much of their time and money into it mm. so even just there's so much deep in that yeah enough confidence to put on a face and a smile of yeah trust me i know what i'm doing mm. that'll get you a long way oh yeah I've seen that a whole lot in the whole charisma world, where if you're just insanely confident, people will first off just go, oh, well, they seem to like be sure, so they're probably right, I'll follow them. But as things go along and you are wrong, they start to figure out you're wrong, they will try to convince themselves that you're still right just because they don't want to have to admit that they chose the wrong person. Yeah, they're invested now, and it's hard to admit that you were wrong mm. that is uh, a topic I like a lot that we should probably dive into more another day I want to get to the what we do about it and I have a couple great ideas I like and this is the really most important thing I, understanding the why kind of makes you like okay I understand what I'm running into this I can recognize it but what to actually do with this so we can keep making good progress So my experience that I had was disappointment at first, but staring it in the face allowed me to see what was actually happening, that it was oh, the stress about uncertainty and working that really hard for me. And it was my first time doing it full time. Not just this was the most uncertain task I've done. And I realized that it was the most uncertain task because it was the most creative productive, valuable thing, but it, uh, doing it for such a long period of time, like you were saying with yours, when you block off a whole day, just go completely into it. That's when it was really starting to stress you out the most, right? That's right. Okay. So I was hitting with both of those. So I realize that's not only natural, feel comfortable with that, but that's actually a good thing. 
This requires a new type of endurance. In my career, I have an entire career worth of experience working with certainty and those kind of things. If I could remember back, I won't be able to. People get really bad after you get good at something, remembering what it was like when they weren't good at it. You forget those memories because you don't need them anymore. But if I could remember back to then, it would have been just as hard sitting down at a computer and doing science and math and stuff for more than 15 minutes would have been painful. More than an hour would have been painful. But now, like I can do it for 8, 10, 12 hours and it's actually enjoyable. Sitting down and going, today is an 8-hour day and I'm going to work on nothing but this for 8 hours, you are not used to that yet. You don't have that endurance yet. But that feeling that's uncomfortable, that's you building that endurance. So with like other things, be comfortable with the fact that it stresses you out. Give yourself slack for the fact that you won't make it through an entire eight-hour day. Maybe you only make it through an hour. Be okay with that. Come back when you can. Maybe another day. Maybe a few days from now. Do another hour. And do that and recognize that you will slowly start building this endurance for this new type of mental work. New type of brilliant, amazing task you're doing. And as you start doing that, you will notice that your endurance gets longer for it. You're not expected to have it immediately. You should give yourself time to build it. And that also makes it important why you should start sending some time to at some time aside to do that. So you can start building the endurance instead of going like I did. And maybe you did of, we're going to go from 15 minutes a day to jumping in for eight hours. Like I'm going to try to carve out an hour, three times a week and start building that muscle. It's absolutely like a muscle, just like you're saying. And yeah, I was a little ambitious and thought I could bench press double my own body weight without ever doing it. And <laughs> yeah, of course that didn't work. I shouldn't be surprised. I'm not going to let that stop me from doing smaller sets and do it more consistently and build up. But why did I think that was a good idea? That's a big shocker. Why did I also think that I could do that immediately? Just, oh, I'll take a week off, 40 hours of straight, nothing doing this, and I'm going to totally be able to do that. <laughs> uh, I'm happy to hear I'm not the only one who made that oversight. Oh, I think we all absolutely have done that once or twice with something or another. In my mind, this is probably the most important step and hurdle for becoming a content creator. So I think since our topic is how we learn how to do this stuff, this is the most important thing. This was a really important topic I wanted us to cover. This probably, I'm thinking, is actually the number one reason why people drop off. I think so much of this stuff is, this is beautiful and it's enjoyable and you can do it in your free time or whenever. Why wouldn't people just keep on going on forever and eventually get good at it, eventually put out something that you know, gets a lot of notice? I think this is it. I think this is what hits people. And like I slowed down and stopped for a week. And I think some people, they're so busy with kids and other things, they just stop forever and never come back. I will say that part of the reason why I think I fell so hard and 
didn't do nearly as much as I was hoping for was I had the past experience from recording an episode once a month and had built up that muscle. But mm-hmm. it's been stagnant for so long that it's not there anymore. And finding that out was a rude awakening. And I think that, knowing that, oh, I can't do this as easily anymore, people are scared to try and work back up to it. That makes a lot of sense. That you went out and went back like, this is supposed to be easy. What the crap went wrong? Instead of feeling, oh, I'll probably rebuild that muscle faster than before because I have all that experience. And realizing that you have to do it again. Like, no, this is wrong. This shouldn't happen. Why do I need to do all this work again? My muscles <laughs> should have just stayed and waited patiently for me. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Mental and emotional muscles are a crazy concept, but they're real. They're real, man. It's the best metaphor for it. And I appreciate you giving me that because I hadn't thought about them in that context. I'm going to think about that more too, but I'm giving myself the foolish optimism is I know there's certain things that you rebuild faster and I think this is going to be one of those I think it's also got that enthusiasm behind it where if you're going to the gym three times a week you're going to build a lot more muscle a lot faster than the guy who's going once every other week mm-hmm. if okay, there's two more this pace Sorry. and keep this excitement you'll get that return in dividends. And one guy gave me that great advice of, well, just figure out what pace is going to keep your excitement for it. So then you'll keep doing it. And being someone who does this a a medium amount, five years from now, you're going to be way, way better than the guy who did a whole lot, burned out and stopped, and didn't keep doing it for five years. Absolutely. I think even more so this topic, because there's so much that it digests while you're living your life, that you just plant these seeds. So literally having that chronological five years of life while you'd already opened the seal on these ideas will be a huge thing. Okay, two more topics related to this I want to touch on before we move on. All right. This is my first triple starred item in any of our podcasts. I was, um, from everything, I was looking for like the answers of like, why am I stressed out about this? Why am I pro- podcast? Like, why am I procrastinating? What am I doing wrong? And I was looking for the answer of, on the script of like, what's the right thing to do? Which one's the right ones? Which one's the right one? The wrong one, which one's the right one? What's the next step? all this stuff and after I'd sort this stuff out sorted this stuff out and was looking back in hindsight I realized we are not looking for answers that doesn't apply to this field we're not looking for answers we are looking for suggestions we're looking for inspiration we're looking for more ideas and that is the mantra that can keep you through all of these things. When I got my drill big jam, what helped me was to just talk to other people, look at other videos, review stuff I'd done before, 
and I realize, oh, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm doing. This is what I need to do next. And then I came back to the original material that had scared me so much that I'd been avoiding it. I was like, well, um, I got some new ideas on this now. And not just the output, but how to actually write a script. And, oh, well, let's try this other thing. Well, let's try this other thing. And then eventually things just start to fit in your heart. They start to feel right. It's not a place where we need to have right or wrong answers. You just need to find the right inspiration. And if you're not feeling it right now, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel jammed, go out, look at other stuff that's related to it, but get new ideas. And then come back to it with fresh eyes to have new stuff. And something's going to connect. I really like that. Please feel free. Anytime you're stuck on something like that, just shoot it to me in an email and say, hey, hit a little wall here. Love to get your opinions on where you think I should go from here. Thank you, man. That, and same to you. Like, it's a big help to have that. And even knowing that's kind of like a relief valve in my stress level. But I know whenever you actually share something with me, it actually teaches me stuff and I learn from it. So it's, you know, got to make sure to find time for it. But man, it's, it's a really positive thing on both ends of the, the trade. Absolutely. We're good resources for each other. Let's not be afraid to use them. Hmm. I'm trying to be balanced with my time with this, but once I get this done, I actually want to, you know, build more on having uh, discussions between you, me, and the two other guys out here I know working on this stuff. And have some sort of, uh, you know, just a, a simple process where we can make sure it's not overwhelming anybody, but we can have more of this feedback and learning from each other's work a little bit more. I think that'd be one of the best things we could do to kind of just, you know, nitrous oxide in our fuel tanks. Absolutely. Always down for that. Glad to hear it. So the final thing, it's a little off tangent, but I think this connects. I had a couple top topics about discussions with you about should you have X number of hours a day you work or you should have goals and you have to complete this. Otherwise, you just can't stop. And a lot of going back about that. Started thinking about it the other way. And I realized, man, as painful as this was, as much as was feeling that I completely wasted my time and didn't learn anything, man, this was just gold. This alone was worth the entire week of time I spent. Thought about it from the other way around. If you wanted to have deadlines, and there are certain ways that deadlines can be helpful for even creative work, but if you wanted to have a deadline, what would you need? Well, obviously, you would need to have a reasonable understanding of how long the thing you're trying to do takes. You know, how many hours? That's pretty difficult. Probably not going to have a good idea that the first time. So just be comfortable with that, and then only worry about deadlines the second or third time you try it. But here's the really interesting part. The second part is, we only know how many hours it's going to take. How many hours a day can I do this? If you don't know that yet, how can you make any kind of deadlines? So we talked about building that muscle and how to be comfortable with it. But the first step you should do is just take one time. Sit down, look at something Try to focus on it for as long as you can and find out how many hours could I do in a city? How many hours could I do in a day? 
And there's no wrong answer. But when you know that, that gives you this super useful piece that you can start planning of, oh, okay, well, now I could make a deadline based on that. And there's a lot of perks that come with that, but you would actually have that piece. And uh, it was amazing that I never actually even tried to find that value, that number, before I tried to do all this planning. I like that. That really does help budget your time more effectively knowing that number. And maybe we could give ourselves a little more slack of, oh, this is the level I'm at right now, and that's good. I'm glad I have something. That's a lot more than some people ever do. And if ever gets more than that, you can see that you improved. Reconnecting it to the muscle equivalent, you know you have that immediate feedback of, okay, I'm lifting this many pounds for this exercise, mm. and I mm. can do this many reps. We haven't been keeping track of that, really, have we? No, there's a sense of the stuff we look at and listen to, like, well, this seems better than before. But there's this important part of, I would love my stuff to be good, but the number one thing I really want from all this, Ryan, is I just want to feel proud of the person I am that does these things. So knowing how much work I do on this and how good my process is, that's actually probably more important to my pride and happiness and satisfaction than actually anything I create out of it. I like that. The one other thing I would say that goes against it is sometimes having that stress and anxiety of an impending deadline can inspire some pretty genius solutions to get it done. (laughs) Uh, I forget what school it was, but I've read a story recently of course it's me i remember a story Mm -hmm. Uh, they had written their school is holding a contest where it was you write a computer program that plays poker and they're all going to compete against each other in a big game of poker and the guy forgot about it and threw something together last minute where his whole line of code was basically when it's your turn go all in Mm-hmm. And everyone else who had spent weeks developing theirs, their programs freaked out that it was going all in and they were just folding <laughs> constantly and causing <laughs> errors in all their programs. And he won with that one <laughs> line of code. So, I like that one. Absolutely. Set yourself a ambitious deadline still. And force yourself to come up with some out-of-the-box thinking to solve it and get there. You're, you're completely right. That's why I keep coming back to, even though this was so hard and stressful, why I want to try to find ways to still keep doing deadlines. I think it's very important to have both, to have some things that have a deadline with that stress you talk about. I think that's the only way you're going to feel some things and create some things. And also have some things with no deadline where it's pure enjoyment and art and exploration. And I think having some of the, both of those I think that'll make a powerful combination. I like it. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what you do with it. Yeah, we're working on that. Great, man. Ah, I feel like it was really important. I feel like even talking with you about you, I learned even more about this stuff. So that was a good deep conversation. I want to keep coming back to this. If you run into anything when in your process, I want to make this to be the most important thing we discuss each week because it's not just oh. Two plus two equals four. Done. It's 
It's something we got to go through and kind of just master the skill of it. I feel like but. that's a very real problem that other people are going to run into. Mm. So the more we can help them out even, that's going to be great and useful. Yeah. So the last part, saving the funnest part for the end. I'm freaking excited about this, and I know you are. It's been a while since we talked. You moved up to Minnesota, and not only did Ryan get a job, he got a pretty cool job. I'm so excited about this, man. Let me reach over and grab a prop here. Hang on. He said prop, right? So, my job is very confusing on paper and very fun and different. But officially, I am a brand ambassador for Dashfire, which is a local distillery up here that specializes in craft cocktails and craft cocktail bitters. Mm -hmm. But they also do a lot of co-packing for other brands. And they offer their expertise and a few other things to everyone who's in their collective. And one of the new things they're offering is my services as a brand ambassador. So already I'm working with uh, Bar Diver and Lost Woods. I've got tastings lined up for mm-hmm. for two other brands. And there's a few more I could be working with down the road. That's huge, dude. You're not Very just exciting. surviving, you're building and learning. And mm. and very uh, much embracing the idea of being comfortable with being uncomfortable. There's been this a lot of that is, in your work? It's really stretching me and forcing me to learn and do a lot of things that I didn't know and didn't necessarily know I could do. Well, I haven't been able to catch up with you in a while on this. Why don't you tell me more about what's been going on? Some examples of this stretching in outside your comfort zone. Uh, let's see. So, there's a few things, like I'd never done a tasting at a liquor store and did the first one of those on Saturday. And, yeah, that wasn't too bad. I could do that again. So you hosted one? Yep, well, liquor store hosted me, but... Mm. I just sat there and poured samples for three hours. Not bad. It it was easier than doing the bar in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But uh, then there's other things like for Bar Diver, he wants me to be the now person where anytime anywhere in the state wants to do a tasting, it has to get scheduled through me even if I'm not the person running the tasting. Hey... Which, what? yeah, that's cool, but I, why? I don't even know all of your products yet, and you're having me line up the entire state you're putting me in charge of? Why do you think that is? Beats me, but I'm going to grow into it, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be confident and say, like, yeah, I can do that, and I'll be uncomfortable until I get good at it. Mm. It does come back to all the great stuff all the leveling up, the re- like achieving your ambitions, it's uncomfortable as fuck. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, I'm after three years of being at the same job in Nashville and building such good relationships and having such a good understanding, moving up here and not even knowing all the distributors, it's a different style of distribution in Minnesota. THC drinks are legal up here, so that's a new area that I'm having to explore and learn about. There's so much I don't know, and yeah, it's uncomfortable as hell. Not knowing and not necessarily thinking, yeah, I can do all this, no problem. Just, I can do that, maybe. We'll find <laughs> out. I'm going to tell you I can do it, and... Oh, well. Yeah, that's... it's so fun and so exciting that I'll hopefully grow into a spot where I am comfortable and confident doing all of this. That's I'm so happy that's all happening for you. I'm starting to wonder if that comfortable is even the thing that we want to aspire to. Because I realize the reason why I'm so repelled by my day job is because it's gotten so comfortable that there's nothing added to my life anymore. So the the stress of this stuff I'm not sure how much we dislike it, because when you have none of it, then you feel That's really true. bad. God, what? who was it that said, uh, there's two things that people always strive for in life. Having a set pattern and repeatability, and then breaking the pattern. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. It's not the exact words, and I can't remember who said it, but such an interesting quote and very true there's some deep truth into that which is probably going to take a lifetime to fully understand probably won't even after that so you've been going to places sharing that stuff talking the talking points and telling people about it and now doing some you know hosting tastings at liquor stores Yep. Uh, so, honestly, I haven't even been going out to that many places yet. That part's just going to get started. Well, later on this week, early next week, going to be doing a lot more of that. It's just been trying to learn everything I can about all the different products. Because just with Dashfire, if I was only doing that one brand, their bitters alone, there's 24 bitters. Mm. There's six different liqueurs there's six canned cocktails in 100 milliliter cans three coffee cocktails two thc cocktails and this is just dash fire that's one brand i'm going to have the portfolio of a small distributor for liquor at the end of this and I'm going to have to know all of them like the back of my hand because I'm going to be the brand ambassador for them. I'm not just a rep who's going, well, I've been told to push, I don't know, Smirnoff Marshmallow Vodka. Mm. And I don't know anything about it, but you should buy it because it makes this drink. That's not my style. I don't want to do that for these brands. They're all craft. They're all great brands. Mm. I want to truly learn them. And that's a lot as well. So when you're learning this, is that something you do on the clock, or is it something you have to do in your free time in the evenings? Uh, a little both. Hmm. That's the nature of this industry is, well, yes, I do a fair bit of 
tasting and get paid for it, which makes the job amazing. I'm not going to lie, the liquor industry, I don't think I could do anything else after being in it for this long. (laughs) Being paid to taste six cocktails on a Tuesday, yeah, that's not bad. But just the sheer volume of them, I can't reasonably try them all at work, so yeah, I bring work home from it with me and try some... I'll have two or three I'll just crack open in the night and try them with Ashlyn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. That's really cool. Well, we won't make you go into too much detail the first the, all at once, but I'm looking forward to hearing more about this, uh, your process, your experiences, and what you learn, but also like this is an exciting world for me and everyone else to know about. I look forward with getting more confident to the point where I am willing to share a little bit more with you. And Fingers crossed there's going to be some fun stories coming out of this. Well, that's great, man. Well, let's wrap things up for today. I'm really glad we made time to like talk again. This was great. Likewise. I miss doing this. All right. We'll talk to you again soon, Ryan. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs>